Hello and welcome to episode four of Live, Laugh, Love, Real Estate, Conversations with Lisa Loveland and Costa Hansis. Thank you for joining. This episode, we are going to talk about what is actually involved in the real estate agent's job. You know, I think so many times we don't do a good job of explaining that, and it's understandable. You know, you hired us to make this process seamless and take away all the pressure and the stress and the emotion. So I don't necessarily want to come back and tell you everything I'm doing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, it is important to set the precedent up front and to let people know what you're doing, not to look like, oh, look at me, aren't I fantastic, but to set the appropriate expectation for your clients so that at the end of the transaction, they feel that there's been a tremendous value add because there is a tremendous value add. As I said in the last probably couple episodes, you know, whatever you're paying your agent, five, six percent commission, um, doesn't all go to the agent, goes to the company. There's a lot of ways that that gets cut up. So never, never count your agent's money. Um, you've hired them before the transaction started. You, you knew what to expect. So don't negotiate at the end of a deal just because you're not getting the price you want or you ended up spending more if you're a developer spending up more than you thought you would and all of a sudden you dip into the you know the pockets of your agent not a great way to do business no. and just kind of walk that back and and see how that feels you know you've been doing this process you are in a trusting relationship and are you splitting the proceeds of your sale with the agent so you know feel comfortable that you're getting a value add but don't go in a negotiation and ask your agent to kick in money. Um, I, I do I do it sometimes just to get a deal done, but it, it never leaves a good taste in anyone's mouth. So one of the things that an agent is hired to do is to set appropriate expectations, to manage the process so that we're five steps ahead of something that may, you know, go off the rails. Um, nine times out of 10, a real estate deal goes smoothly. But when it doesn't, it goes south pretty quickly. So it's really good to have a team of trusted advisors from your lenders um, and your attorneys um, and the other agents that you're dealing with so that things go smoothly and everyone is reasonable and rational when, um, when and if things don't. So on a listing side, our responsibility is to cover all of the market analytics and statistics can kind of show anything if you know how to work them. So you don't right. want to do that. You want to understand what your client is looking for. You want to come up with the stats. And then you want to look at the property specifically to see its pros, its cons. You know, what kind of profile of a buyer do you think you're going to be marketing this towards? And um, then you need professional photographers. You need great floor plans. And you need to have it exposed everywhere. So we're really marketers not sales agents. Absolutely. We, our job is to manage the emotions, set the expectations, make sure that everyone is, especially in the COVID environment, safe. You know, nothing is missing from your home. Um, and we have all the avenues to get you advertised 24 seven until the house sells. The difficulties can come in when you get to the point of negotiation and you've got to get, as we've said before, win-win, win-win deals. The buyers have to be happy. The seller has to be happy, and that doesn't mean that somebody walks away thinking they just got, you know, hosed. Right. <laughs> that's there's always going to be problems that that happen if if that's the case. As we've said before, everyone eventually is going to have a voice. Yep. 
So we want those voices to be heard throughout the transaction so that we don't have any surprises, you know, partway through. Absolutely. I think, and when you were saying that, the kind of biggest thought I got is when we first met um, and you came into where I was working, the first impression I got is there's, of course, as we talked about before in the other episodes of like reality TV, there's there's a stigma attached to real estate agents and, and the business as a whole, which you just said that um, non-zero sum or I forget the, what the, the zero sum game or somebody has to lose, somebody has to win. That's kind of what you would think going into real estate. And of course, that's more for reality TV, as we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. That's not really, especially nowadays where information is so readily available and people are always being filmed. Everything's kind of it's tougher to get away with things that you might've got away with the past saying different things, especially now that everybody's recording. One of the things too, I think uh, our office talked about is um, people in their house when they have like security cameras and different things like that. A lot of the times people, Alexa, they're recording your conversations you have in their house. Yeah. So you may be doing an open house at their, <laughs> at their listing and, or whatever you're doing somewhere and they're recording the conversation. You might say something that you don't want to say. And then next, you know, it. the next day they, they mentioned something like, how oh, do they know that? It's just that just a different thing. Luckily that's never happened. I don't think we would, we would never say anything bad of course too, but you really got to be in the big thing too, is when I was saying I first met you is I got initially, and this is a big thing. A lot of people say is we're not selling houses necessarily is, is we're selling trust. And right. when I definitely first met you, I got that initial impression is like, okay, this person's trustworthy. They seem to genuinely care about a, the clients and you bring the clients in because we're the ones talking about the clients. The clients mm-hmm. want the apartment. For example, that what it was, they came in wanting that apartment and it was up to you to handle the back end to talk with me who weren't there to figure out how we would make this work. Sure. Your clients probably came back and said, okay, we want this and that, but you have to take their information of what they're saying and then say it usually in a better way. Sometimes clients and anybody in general can, come back and say things in more of a harsh way. But if you come at the person that has the information, has what you want in a harsh way, probably not going to get what you want, or at least leave that sour taste in your mouth, as you mentioned before. Right. And a lot of times, um, well, all of the time, it's so important for us to be able to manage our clients, whether they're buyers or sellers. And I, and I don't mean that in a controlling way, just because it's, it's best for everyone if appropriation, if, if, expectations are set appropriately. Yep. Um, you know, that deal that we had, that was a little inappropriate for me to have to come back and ask that. And we don't like being put in those situations, but we do represent our clients. So, uh, so I, it was my responsibility to do that. And that's when it's very important in how I relay that information to you. If I come to another agent and ask for something that's way out there, they're gonna look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. And then I've just lost my credibility. But if I go in and 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 explain with still keeping my fiduciary responsibility to my client, um, what's happening and could you please do this and, and see where what where it goes, um, then your unrealistic ask yeah. <laughs> sometimes is a little bit softened. Right. Um, and and that was one of the reasons I was so impressed with you, because you did you took it back and you did get it done. And um, the, they ended up never moving forward with it. That's the funniest part <laughs> of it. That was the funniest part. They kind of went dark. We never heard from them again. That was a crazy but, event. So that's sometimes what happens in real estate too. So be kind to us real estate agents. You know, we get beat up out there. Um, so yeah, all kinds of things can happen and, and, and people can disappear. That, that really doesn't happen that often. No. Um, but Sometimes. Um, but emotions, in this in this process get heated 
Um, that's another role that we find ourselves slipping into is the counselor, the friend, the, um, you know, you, you have to listen. I don't, you have to listen. I don't mean that it's a chore, but you do. You have to listen yeah. and you have to deescalate. People get nervous. It's a lot of money. There's change that's going on in their life. They could be going through a divorce. They could be just getting married and moving in together. You know, we talked earlier, all those change changes, whether they're good or bad, they're still stressful. Yes. Definitely. And all of that comes out in these kind of transactions. So um, when you're buying, uh, you know, everybody's, as soon as you start to look in the market, everybody has an opinion. You know, if it's parents or friends the crazy or uncle. The crazy uncle. <laughs> He's all of a sudden a real estate agent. He's all of a sudden a real well, estate you know, agent. They always come up with the funniest thing, too. They're always just like at a, at a family get-together. would be like, oh, you know, like on that, too. Oh, how much did you? They'll sneak in the questions, and they'll be like, then all of a sudden, at the next family gathering, they'll have like an analysis of it. Be like, oh, yeah, you kind of, are you sure you should have paid that much for that? Whatever yeah. it is, a car. Oh, you, you, you know, you could have done it that way. The construction's right. a big one, too. Oh, you, you could have hired this person. Oh, you overpaid for it. And it's just like, oh, God. Yeah. And, um. The, you know, especially if they're not familiar with the area, you paid how much for a parking space? Your mother and I bought our house, our first house <laughs> that, for that. That's the big one. And and understandably so. If you're moving here from somewhere in the Midwest and you're looking at these housing prices, my God, why wouldn't you fall off your seat? Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, it is what it is. And if you want to get in the game, then you have to pay those prices. So it's really, again, important to have a good real estate agent, yep. to have a good attorney, to have a good lender who all are familiar with the local market. Absolutely. I think the lender is the, um, and the biggest question too is people get as this whole episode episodes geared to is what do real estate agents actually do? Because on the surface level, my friends asked me to, or the biggest question is like, they see us doing different things, marketing, they see us, the podcast, they see just different things. And it's like, what do you guys actually do? And I think the, the big question is, is everybody thinks what real estate agents do is just find properties, especially for clients, just if they're looking on market, of course, it's just go out and look at the inventory on MLS and find you a property. And if you don't find them a property, sometimes it's like, this is how I've heard stories too about clients and different things like that of people being like, oh, like I found uh, another person actually found me this this listing or, or I found this somewhere or somebody, some other agent, all of a sudden, some other person that you've never heard about, you've been helping this person out for a while, comes into the process and says, oh, like they actually found me something we're going to... Um, moving forward that they say in a, a polite way usually, but it's like, wait, what? Another, yeah. <laughs> another person did what? Another agent you're working with? Like that doesn't, that's, I, I wasn't right. I think that goes back to, uh, the big thing is it's tough to do is the expectations from the beginning. Right. It's tough to sit down with somebody. You don't want to be first meeting you meet somebody. And as you've talked about a lot to me is you kind of want to get somebody in the door and get them out, show them properties before you you sit down with them and this is like the traditional teachings of like asking them 10, 20 questions. Nobody wants to sit down the first time I'm meeting right. you is like, right. what is this? Okay. If that does that, what is that? What is that? And Oh, if you do this and how about that? Or what is your range for this? And it's like 20 questions. And oh, then, they're just wondering, Oh my God, when's this meeting going to end? All I, I wanted to do was go look at some houses. No, you're absolutely right. So the, our job is to coordinate everything basically. Right. Um, uh, we can refer home inspectors, good lenders, Good attorneys you know sometimes attorneys can blow deals because they they want to uncover a problem to resolve it to justify you know their the charges and you know I always said we don't need heroes in real estate we we just need consistency and, and rational minds so we do that we uncover um, 
not, not, not the properties, because as we've said before, you can find properties online. We can find you off-market stuff if you'd like. Um, but for the most part, we're there to develop your strategy. You know, how are you going to get a winning offer? You know, what are you looking for? What if, you know, we, and you have to be honest with us. This is on the buy side. You know, if you can spend, you know, a million dollars, then we need to be looking in this market at things that are less than a million dollars because you're going to have to, you know, be in some pretty competitive bidding situations where things will go over. And these conversations are so important to have before you actually go out. And I always say that if I haven't had a chance to go out with someone and explain this, I can do it on the phone. People don't need to come in and sit and talk with me for an hour um, because I, I wouldn't like that either. But I do like to get all of this information out first. We send them, you know, we have brochures, we have bios, we have everything on the team. So before I'm even meeting with you, you know exactly who I am from the resume standpoint. Um, and I think that's helpful. I think it frees up time to actually talk about the buyer and their needs versus sitting there and telling them, you know, what award I've gotten and how much production <laughs> I do. And you need to know that because you need to understand right. that we're good at what we do, but it doesn't need to be all about me. So it's really fantastic to get that stuff out of the way. And then we sit and we talk over the phone or um, I usually don't do any of that stuff in email or, or text. It's really important to be on a phone or, or be in person. I mean, the last year it's been kind of tough to be in person, but if you can be in person, that's great. And I'll do it in my car. I usually don't have somebody come and sit in my office. We just we just go. And then we start, and you're kind of in your natural environment there and theirs, and you get, you know, uh, natural conversation going back and forth so it doesn't feel, you know, stressful or, or, or orchestrated. And they get a sense of me, and I get a sense of them. And I don't sign contracts on buyers. And I've always felt uncomfortable with it. I know a ton of people do. But I, I just don't, always on a listing, um, obviously. <laughs> but with buyers, I always say, you know what? You've got to trust me. I've got to trust you. And you've got to be able to um, have open communication. And if there's something I'm not doing that I want you to tell me. And if it's not a fit, if it's not a chemistry, um, it's okay. And, we, and I may feel the same way with my buyer client. And it's okay to part ways. Because yep. the bottom line is, if I have to, if you, ha if I have to get you to sign a contract with me that you're going to be loyal, hmm, I don't know. That doesn't feel yeah. good to me. No. Am I really going to spend money litigating if you don't follow through on that contract? I, good I, luck with that. Yeah, and it's just like you know, there's better ways to spend your time. So I just say it's a handshake. And we need to communicate openly. You need to feel comfortable. Um, and I won't even ask you to work with me exclusively if you don't feel comfortable until we've gone out three times. But until we've gone out three times, after we've gone out three times, then I would ask for a verbal um, exclusive commitment. And that gives you an idea as to how serious the buyers are as well. Um, because sometimes people can, you know, go dark and you don't know why. And it's because they've gone, you know, to another realtor or they thought they'd get a better deal by going direct to the listing agent. So they're a little embarrassed, you know, to return the communications. Um, that is also, um, you know, a, a kind of not really how things work. You can go directly to the, the listing agent. But that contract and that commission is, has already been signed up and agreed to. Yeah before that property even went on the market. Um, so it doesn't cost a buyer anything to have buyer representation. So you're either, you know, 
the whole commission goes to the list side and you have no representation or the seller pays half to the buyer agent, half to the seller agents. It's same amount of money is coming out of the seller's pocket. It's yeah. just either going to one company or two. And it's either going, you have no representation or you have representation. So it's kind of a no-brainer to, um, to, to have a buyer agent represent you. I think the issue is with that, and two points off of that, but the first one being is sometimes people who are, depending on what profession they're in, especially if they're in a sales position, and they're used to doing this kind of negotiation necessarily for not real estate, but maybe for a different field of business, Mm -hmm. they feel as though they may know everything when it comes to negotiating sales and offers and different things like that. And they maybe feel as though they don't need a real estate agent and they try to do it themselves. And a lot of the times, as we found out, because people do that and then they come back and say, okay, we tried this and it didn't work, especially nowadays in the market, that's tough to compete if you don't really know. I could be well-versed in the sales of motor vehicle. I could be well-versed in the sales of Jeeps, let's say, for example. But that doesn't mean I know anything about real estate in the process. Right. Which doesn't make sense to me to why somebody wouldn't be at least. And I think the big thing is respect and communication is definitely the big thing, too. It's you hired. If I hire you, for example, I want to. I'm not here to overlook you the entire time. If you're going out there and you're helping us out, say you're, you're our agent, um, helping out and everything's going smoothly, everything's going great there's no issues if there is an issue that comes up it gets resolved then there's no reason to be on top of that person let them do their thing maybe if you're a client and you notice that your agent's slacking or you feel as though that then that's a different story but if they're doing a good job just let them do their thing yeah and if issues arise then say something it's the same thing in a relationship too as we talked about in the last episode you don't need to make problems that aren't there if everything's just going great right and people get nervous you know when there's that um when there's a silence or there's a pause Oh yeah. Um, so they they need to fill it with something, and so they start asking questions, and then it can go down the wrong road. So, you know, it helps for us to be pushing the the the, the, the process along. So you don't. I'm not saying that you have to talk through the entire time, but there need to be, um, you know, foreseeable steps. You know, this is what we're doing, and this is the next step, and after that, we're going to do this. Yep. So they already know what's coming. Exactly. Um, because when you don't know something, it causes you to be fearful if you don't know what's next, especially when you are in something like this where it's such a large uh, expenditure yeah. and it's such a big decision. Where you're going to live is a really big decision on yeah. so many levels from a budgeting. I mean, we all live on monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's you know, $25,000 to a seller is a big deal. $25,000 over a 30-year mortgage is not as big a deal. And it's important to, you, we can't change the way buyers or sellers think, but it's an important thing to let someone know um, that I always say, you know, put together your best, and when we have a best and final, put together your best and final. And that number has to be that you can put your head at, you can sleep at night if we win, and you can sleep at night if we lose. Because to get into some kind of strategy of, you know, what do you think the next buyer is going to, bid and what do you think the sell well you know the seller bought it years ago for x amount of money he's making a, he or she is making a fortune well that doesn't matter if i bought <laughs> if i bought um google stock you know for 25 dollars, am i going to sell it to you for 30 when it's trading where it is right now um right no it's it's going to trade at the market value so the sellers are going to get what the market's going to bear and the market what the market bears is what buyers are willing to spend 
So they don't have a control over that. You, we need to figure out what, what, what offer is going to win from its terms and from its price. Um, and then I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I think th- you were saying there just one thing off of that is the whole idea of the common thing is, and, and buyers especially saying anything too is like, I want to get a good deal. Okay. That, <laughs> well, okay. Uh, is it a good deal though? Is like, is this a good deal? And right. things like that. I don't want to like overpay. I want this to be a great deal and we, yeah. we get it. But what are your thoughts on that? When somebody says, I always, well, whenever I talk about buyers, I have so many thoughts. That's why I lose my train of thought because it all depends on what part of the process we're in. So getting a good deal. And I hate to say this, but God, it's, relative right i mean twelve hundred dollars a square foot is that a good deal well yeah mm-hmm. if you know you could it was fourteen hundred a square foot it all depends on what market you're in what the what the uh the competition is but i think right now everything is a quote good deal just to get an offer accepted because interest rates are so low oh that's right. what it was i was going back to monthly payments um, you know, that the $25,000 is a huge thing for a buyer. I mean, rather for a seller and you know, that, that difference in a monthly payment isn't that big. So when you're going in to make these offers, try not to think about, um, the $25,000, think about the amount of money you're paying monthly that would be extra. And it's really not going to be that much. And if you put your bottom line down, you know what it is, you can sleep at night then you just have to be okay with that, whether you get it or you don't. Um, and, and as far as going back to your question about a, a good deal, you know, for the most part, real estate's always going up. So even if it doesn't look like it's a deal right now, wait a few months. And in this market, you'll see that you did get a good deal. Wait a few years and you'll even be happier. I think it all, as you say too, is are you selling? When you just buy something, wait, are get fixation this is probably going to be the next episode or the one after we talk about what not to do after you buy a home but the whole idea of well people get fixated with the price they paid next year oh the home values went down next year oh they're out oh i made money it's like the same thing with stocks is i I was having this conversation with my friends and it's so like prevalent on the media too they talk about like jeff bezos's net worth and elon musk's net worth they don't just have billions of dollars like in their pocket or in the bank account. It's right. tied up in stocks. They have to sell the stocks to right. then actually have that money. They don't have that money. It's the same thing with real estate. If you if you have a bunch of real estate um, investment properties, your money's in their investment properties. You're not getting money into, unless it cash flows, you're having that as money to spend. But if it's not cash flowing, when you own a bunch of real estate, you don't necessarily just have, your net worth could be huge, like $20 million, because you have a bunch of real estate that's worth $20 million, but that doesn't mean you have right. $20 million where you can just spend and, and give right. out to people, which is, especially now in the whole like Robin Hood stuff like that, with Dogecoin, the cryptos and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're up that much, but you're not, you don't have that money to spend. You, you no. may be worth $100,000 in stock, but that's not until you sell the actual stock. That's right. That's why I love, anyone who knows me knows I love real estate for income producing assets because yeah. it gives you both. You know, it'll throw an income stream monthly and you pay down your debt. And then when you're, where you're ready to retire, you've got all, you've got property you can cash out on or you have that income stream. Right. That's um, what my... I think, I don't know if we talked about this in the first episode, but in terms of investment properties, but that's what my grandparents did. They yeah. came over from Greece with, as I like to joke around with, um, 
I said, I thought it was a different story, but my mom clarified it wasn't the case, but I thought they came over with like suitcases and stuff like that <laughs> on like the boat or whatever, but they actually had like maybe a duffel bag. I think that it actually was that <laughs> they came over with nothing. Maybe I think she said they, they had like maybe a thousand bucks and that's it between the two of them. Um, and they worked in factories until they could afford to, I think it was actually my grandmother. Uh, Yaya is what it says in Greek is like the right word, but mm-hmm. she, for some reason loved real estate or just like was really into it. Somebody would have said something to her like, Hey, you should get into real estate. So instead of, um, doing the whole roast beef shop or sandwich shop, Greek way of doing it, like half of the, some of the family did that or people we meet have like the, as you always see that there's Custa's roast beef or there's Charlie's yeah. roast beef, a bunch of Greek names, for the roast beef. Cause that's just what they did. They came over and their family started that. But some of the family in my family specifically, everybody in the, we don't own um, any restaurants anymore, but Everybody in our family took to buying real estate. So they worked in factories, saved up enough money until they could buy a three family, moved into one of the units in the three family, rented out the other two. They fixed up the one they were in and they would move to the different ones. Yeah. And then when they saved up enough and they got enough cash flow and they would just buy a different one. And over the years, you repeat that and repeat that. As you just said, now you have properties that are paid off. Right. And you can pass on to the next generation in terms yeah. of that's the best way I think is I hope to do someday to my kids, of course, is pass them on something that's producing cash. So my, my grandmother always said, don't sell um, the cow, which is my, one of my favorite lines. Yeah. Like, You're right. <laughs> that's man. true. Don't want to sell the cow. Yeah, I, I don't like, I I get attached to everything I can't sell. Uh, but anyway, that was my plan even before I realized I get attached to everything and can't sell. But um, I'm all for that as a retirement plan, as income producing assets. And it's fun. You get to, you, you know, it's, it gives you projects, um, gives you income. Yeah. And gives you security. I think it's fun, definitely. The whole, as we talked about it before in the last episode about stocks, like, of course, don't invest into anything that you or you aren't familiar with. But mm-hmm. real estate, I, I just like so much because it's you can see it, you can touch, it, you can feel it. You could go renovate it, as you just said, put the work into it to say, okay, if I put this amount of work in and I spend five thousand dollars and I update the kitchen and bathroom, this should produce. That means I could charge this much more for rent, or when those tenants move out, right. it's tough to raise the rent necessarily. Tenants are there, and especially if they're, if they're good tenants, that's a different story. But just necessarily looking at the value of it by doing the work on it, you can see where your money's going to. Right, stuff's going to happen, but and that brings us back to that's why you need a good real estate agent. You don't need to know all of that unless it's your hobby. But if you are thinking of investing um, because you're nervous of the stock market or you just want to divest your portfolio, which is always recommended. Um, you should call us. It's one of the things we love doing is figuring out investment plans. You don't have to have one of the topics we were going to talk about was, you know, you, you don't have to have a million dollars to make a million dollars in real estate. And we've done it with a, um, a lot of people that were just average people. And you get them into, um, I would put them into a little, uh, you know, one beds and stu- two studios um, in the Fenway when the Fenway was a little more reasonable. And, um, you know, you've got an unbelievable rental market because of the universities, and it was an affordable price point to get into. And then, you know, depending on what your age is, by the time you retired, you've got that paid off, and it does nothing but throw monthly income that you can rely on, that you don't have to worry about, you know, what the government's going to do or what the stock market's going to do. It's nice to have a little bit of control over your financial future. Yeah, and it's definitely not to say that um, just because we're in real estate, we're not just saying that real estate is always, you put your money into something, it's always going to be a great investment. Things can go wrong. Things can go sideways. Absolutely. That's why there's an R in real estate. There's a big risk. Yeah. But there's ways to um, level that out. 
Right. Again, you you have to have someone who knows the market, knows where to put the money, where to put the improvements in, what your return's going to be. Yep. Again, there's never a crystal ball, but we can give you a pretty good idea as to where you want to be headed right. and how much something like that would cost. You can't really do that with stocks. You have no, no but, control yeah, over what the company does yeah. unless you're a so huge much investor. Stuff in we don't know. Exactly, exactly. Um, I think one of the things, too, you were saying before, uh, communication, we didn't really go into too much detail, too, about that. I think you did briefly, but... Another thing, as I look on forums and different things like that, like Reddit, I go on the different websites, and I like to hear from people just to say what is, what are people saying the pros and cons are, what they didn't like about a real estate agent, what they didn't like about the process. And the big one I find is people say is communication. Yeah. Of not, I think you talked about it too, of not leaving people in the dark. You don't have to say like every second there is something goes on, you get an email, have to text the client, oh, I just got an email saying this, or just got this saying that, but at least check in, hey, like, Say if there's like you're waiting on to hear something, be like, if you're not really sure, cause like the, the seller maybe or whatever it is, isn't going to know an answer for like a few days and you're not really sure when they come back and tell you something, at least be okay, hey guys, like I'll check with you guys Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. or by Tuesday right. night at 8 a.m. whether or not we hear back from them, just so they know they're not waiting. And cause the thing is, if you put yourself in the person's shoes, I like to do that too. And just figuring out like, hey, this person's buying a million dollar house. They have a lot on the line here. They want to stay up. To, I would be like, okay, what is going on? I haven't heard from their agent. And that's what really gets rid of that whole idea of trust. If you're not communicating and right. just saying little updates here and there go a long way, I find. Yeah. And they don't feel like it, everyone needs to feel like they're our only client. And I hope so bad that you all feel like anyone we've worked with is our only client. Yep. Um, because I get it. I've bought and sold myself. Um, it's exciting. It, it's, it's nerve wracking. It's emotional. And if you're just, kind of hanging out there on your own uh, or you feel like you know they're working with someone else who has more money um, that doesn't feel good and we never want any of our clients to feel like that so it's so important to tell people what you're going to do and then remind them of what you did not in a that's what I did but just to let them know this is and this is where we were going to go with you know our offer now it's accepted and and, and here are our next steps so they're prepared and it gives them something to do other than to, you know, get nervous. Right. I like the whole idea when you said, um, and you've kind of taught me to do too, in terms of dealing with clients is, Hey, like, what is your bottom line here? What are you willing to spend? That way, you know, as the agent, okay, this is as far as they can go. We're not going to, we're going to try to not get close to that. We're trying to maybe get as far away, but this is what we're working with here. That way you can right. more, be more strategic. If your, your clients aren't communicating with you and it goes both ways was what, was what I was going to say as well too we as real estate agents should communicate with the clients, but our clients, it makes it a hell of a lot easier if you're communicating with us, at least giving your feedback. Cause we're worried too. We're like, it's more of a worry for me sometimes too. And I feel with the clients, especially too, is talking with them or what are they thinking? Are they, I don't know what it is. I still get nervous about it too, about the whole idea of if I'm helping a client out that they're going to go with somebody else for whatever reason. And it's, it's not a confident thing. It's nothing to do with confidence. It has to do with more of the idea of, and I get stuck on the idea of, the whole finding properties point. And that's why right. I, I asked you about that. It's like, okay, if they find something on their own, maybe are they still going to go like, through me? If like, cause sometimes I feel as maybe they, they found it. And I remind myself that we're not here just to find the property. We're here to right. make sure everything, as you said, buyer or renter, it doesn't cost you anything. So you might as well have somebody that at least you can trust and knows somewhat what they're talking. You don't have to be the biggest genius in the world as a, as a real estate agent. In every case, you want the best real estate agent you can, but 
at the very least, you want a real estate agent just to have a second pair of eyes to look over everything to make sure, okay, the paperwork, the, all the necessary par- necessary paperwork's there. That's a big pain too. It's like we as agents deal with all the paperwork. We have everything ready to go. We send it over to the client, say, hey, we just need you to sign this, do that. It makes it a lot more easier right. and less stressful and, and time saver, especially. And we're negotiating not just on the price, but through home inspections, um, through, you know, appraisals through, I mean, if there's um, an assessment that needs to be done, there's so many different things that end up coming up that, all right, well, who's going to pay for that? The buyer or the seller? You know, that becomes a part of the deal. Yeah. Past getting the offer accepted. Um, and then the, the I, I'm glad you brought up again the point of uh, if they're finding their own properties. I think it, uh, addressing that in the first conversation is really, really important because as we've said multiple times, that's not our value. And if we haven't said that, then it it becomes somewhat competitive with our own client off the bat. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I better send them that before they find it themselves. No, 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 no. We want this to be a team effort because so many times when they start sending you things of properties of interest, it isn't what they've told you initially was what they were looking for. I, right. I, I love it, and I, it happens more times than not, um, especially if it's a, a, a couple, you know, one person sending you one, the other person sending another, you know, and it, they're different areas, it's different criteria, and, and it's a way to get all of this stuff out on the table so that we can, again, openly communicate. And you'll also find out where their price points are. I mean, I've had, and it goes back to, um, I, I don't think it's that they don't trust us, I think it's human nature that if I tell you what I'm going to spend, you're going to, I'm, I'm going to be spending that. Right. Um, so if I kind of hold a little bit back, maybe I'm going to get in at a better price. Well, here's the thing. You can do that, but you're not buying it from me. So I can't make a determination on what it sells for, but I can certainly put together a better strategy of offering and counter offering. If I know what your bottom number is, if we don't have that much room, then I've got to come up with a different strategy. If there's some room there, then I can work with that all day long based on, I, I think you need to go back three times to get your best offer. I wouldn't go, and that's the only tip, free tip I'm gonna give right <laughs> now. <laughs> but you don't want to go back too many times. It, 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 it's, it's uh, you want to pretty much get to whatever that number is with, it, with three go-arounds. Awesome. I think that pretty much covers all the bases on the different things. I think the communication, the, tr- the trust was key. Um, definitely setting the expectations from the beginning. And this is yep. a tip for not just us as agents or agents in general. This is a tip for people that are looking to buy or sell. Yeah. Set the expectations from the beginning just so you know, okay, this is how it's going to work. If, if you see anything, send it to me. And the big thing too is I noticed is it's different when the real estate agent communicates with the, say, the listing agent, whether that's on uh, a home, condo, a rental. Mm-hmm. I feel as though, and it could just be observations, but I feel as though agents treat the actual client differently if you're going straight to them. They sometimes maybe will say, oh, or leave stuff on the market just so you can reach out to them and mm-hmm. they can grab those people as a client or say, oh, that one's actually taken, but we can bring you to somewhere else. But if a real estate agent, as we reach out to the other person, the agent on the property for our clients, they're a lot less trying, willing to try to pull really any stunts, which is just mm-hmm. unfortunate. It's the nature of the business too. People. It's still competitive. Don't get us wrong when we say win-win situations. It's still competitive, and we're still right. competitive. And the, the right. whole idea of 
the buyers not giving us the top amount because oh, they, they do that, then you're gonna have to pay that much. But it's more, I know you from saying it too, and I know me, it's like if our client gives us this is their top dollar and this is what they want to spend, the two different numbers, I'm gonna try as hard as to get that because I want to win for the client to like, right. I, I want to go back to the client and have them satisfied and be like, we got as close to that. Like every negotiation I've had of anything is like, I want to make sure my client's happy and loves them, get, get as close yeah. to that number they want to spend as possible because I want them to be satisfied. And we want to stay in business. We yeah. don't want to just be a, you know around for a year or two. Um, we want clients for life. And so when you have your principles and ethics and values aligned with that, it, it, it always, it usually always works out and people are happy. But it's a, you get, it's, you get tossed around a lot, buyers, sellers, agents, everybody. It's a, it makes it exciting, it makes it fun. Um, but there's definitely a lot of, lot of uh, plates to keep up in the air. Exactly. Well, I think that kind of gave a good insight, at least as best as possible, at least we talked about before in the podcast, of giving not necessarily specific examples. We can't talk about our clients and the negotiations with that because that just can't do that. But we can give examples from a general broader perspective and at least right. give some tips so you can watch this episode or any of the podcasts and be like, okay, they talked about that. And this is kind of, you can kind of get the gist of what we're saying. But as you said before too, if you have any specific questions, whatever, whatever they are, you're looking to buy, sell, or just curious about something, just don't hesitate to reach out, ask us any questions. You can follow us on Instagram at the Loveland group. Everything's of course is in the links of everything, but too, but it's just the Loveland group on Instagram, the Loveland group on Facebook. Our website is the Loveland, not the, but the Loveland group, re.com. We have it in our background I too know, right I now. I love it. You guys got to check out our website. It looks awesome. Yeah, we forgot. Uh, there's a TV to the uh, left of me. Um, that we, uh, I set up. I was like, oh, we'll have the TV as the uh, the website as the background. But I was like, wait, never mind. I have the wait, camera set up this way, front. and this it's not going to work out. But definitely check out the website. It does look good every time, especially on the big screen. It looks nice. Oh, I love it. I know it looks fantastic. Well, we are so glad you joined us for episode four, and we will be back next week for episode five, and it'll be a surprise as to what we talk about. Thanks, everyone.